what, what do you think the Bitcoin Cash community needs to hear? I think they just need to hear that we already have a working product. It's already fulfilling the original tent, intent of Bitcoin and uh, to just use it for its for its use case and understand if you're if you're thinking of it as an investment or a speculation that it's speculating on on its future but ultimately its use case now is already working just use it as it's meant to be used and um and there's so many different ways that are empowering to use it like purse.io being a great one there's lots of different services that will like buying seeds online they'll uh They'll give you free seeds or discounts for buying them or buying precious metals with cryptocurrency versus something else. You'll you'll pay a, a cheaper price using the cryptocurrency. So um, just uh, just use it and and then demonstrate to other people that you're in a relation with how it benefits you to use it. There will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. For your banks. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. So do you use Lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles, tell me, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following bitcoin cash on its rise to global reserve currency this is episode number 36 2022 welcome back everyone i love it uh and living off the grid with a guest uh sovereign nun of Elodium. today is sunday the 9th of january 2022 i'm your host jeremy jet is in charge of the production as always, I'm stoked to be back. I got to be honest, had a couple of weeks off uh, the podcast and everything, and uh, I, I've, I've been missing it actually. And so uh, I'm really, really glad to be back. Really fired up for a, a new year. Hope everybody else had a, a good Christmas and New Year as well too. But yeah, guest for today, Sovereign Nun, who is a uh, well sovereign individual and uh, it's got a very unique, you know, living uh, setup that most people. Uh, would not kind of be uh, familiar with setting up their own, like, uh, I don't know how to describe, what, what, what what's the technical description of it as a, well, it kind a of free and sovereign state? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> I'll give you a chance to introduce it. But yeah, sovereign individual and a big uh, Bitcoin cash and, and cryptocurrency supporter and a uh, regular viewer of this show as well too. Um, so yeah, sorry, go <laughs> introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say it started off as kind of like an Earthship style and then kind of drew out of that using a lot of uh, recycled materials, low cost materials and things from uh, things from the local environment um, to minimize the cost and, and just uh, build, a, build a home and a shelter off grid. And then over time that grew into uh, a whole territory and a community center and then learned how to um, form a sovereign state based off of the the rights of the community yeah so this is in vermont in the or in it's sort of in enclosed in vermont right it's in yep. inside vermont and what's the sort of total area of uh the space you have at at the moment it's basically two acres 
two acres okay all right i have no idea how big an acre is but i guess it's a pretty decent size like yeah like uh, acres like a football field size roughly so right okay okay so yeah two foot two football uh size uh fields and you've got just what like one main uh building there i was watching in the videos that you have or there's kind of a couple different buildings yeah there's um a kind of like a main living space and then there's a separate um well uh, the the idea is to create kind of a whole castle complex so there's a couple towers which are separated from the main living space and then some other ferro cement structures that are built upon tire foundations which um currently they're mostly separated but the idea is that over time they'll all get connected and integrated together basically so that there's multiple uh living areas as well as all of the means of uh production and tools and energy and all that sort of stuff to have it all self-sustainable that's so awesome and you're living there and so how many people are there like living there and how many people total in the in the community so what's their sort of interaction with the the whole project currently it's just me living here um at the the most people that have been living here at any one time have been five or six um and it uh and so i've been here consistently since 2014 that's when i uh, that's when i first built it and then stayed through that first winter so um that was seven full build seasons and i guess getting into the eighth year i think um and then the um the cooperative that was formed it has 54 total members who are part of it and then there are i think uh a dozen uh, people who are basically affirmed in that because there's a there's an affirmation which is like a con- like a voluntary contract so that people can be members without signing any contracts or 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 uh, um, affirming their sovereignty essentially which puts them into the separate jurisdiction that we've created out of our own uh, our our own right so there's uh, 54 total and then there's uh, I think about a dozen affirmed. Uh, members and then I think there's six stakeholders out of them yeah because I when I was looking into uh, all the like content and stuff you've you've produced about this it really reminded me of, of two things one was when I was at uh, university and the university had a kind of similar like voluntary cooperative uh, thing that had a property that was about I don't know about a 10 minute walk from the uh, main campus and they had uh, all their own like gardening and sustainability and like crop growing and stuff going on there uh and that was that was super awesome i i got to spend a little bit of time there uh, kind of in that community uh, i didn't live there or anything but i just visited a couple times uh and that was that was super awesome that was i think about 30 30 people maybe a little bit more and then also in uh london uh my mate was living at the uh the warehouses i don't know if you know about uh this either but in london there was basically these areas with these like industrial warehouses that were sort of somehow abandoned uh but they're sort of right in the middle of what's going on in london and so some people kind of moved in and started like effectively settling in that uh in that in that space and the I don't know whoever were the original owners or the companies or whoever they sort of weren't paying attention to it they were you know not um not really caring about it and so a whole community was kind of kind of created a very 
you know, expressive and sort of free thinking community just uh, started up there that sort of operates a little bit under its own rules. And then at a certain point, uh, you know, whoever was previously the legal sort of title holder or whatever kind of found out what was going on and said, oh, listen, we've got to like stop this kind of thing. But the courts looked into it and said, look, they've been there for ages and they've created a whole community and stuff. And the local government was had some initiatives that they were trying to sort of uh, make the area more lively and creative anyway. And they said, "Look, you've already got what you wanted, so <laughs> you know you can't you can't force them to leave or anything." And there's this whole uh, little subsection of the the Harringay warehouses in uh, London. If anybody is uh, curious, they can they can look into that. But it, it really reminded me of uh, your project, except yours I think is unique because it does have more of the obviously cryptocurrency kind of focus and along with that a bit more of that kind of sovereignty angle and really thinking about things from sort of an economic and a legal perspective more than a cultural one do you think that's a specific you know feature of the kind of Elodium project or yeah um definitely there's um I've been interested in the kind of the overall economy and how the whole monetary system works for um, a long time or several years before Bitcoin um, started. And um, it's it's so convoluted that it takes lots of research to to understand how this whole because it's it's essentially like a giant con of, of how it works of how a small group of people get the authority to just create value out of nothing. Um, So it definitely the that um, that uh, research into the whole monetary system has been an interest of mine. And then after I settled here, uh, the whole legal and law aspect became another um, interest of mine so that I could use that as a way to ensure that I maintain, I uh, retain my property and avoid any potential conflict with, um, with the judicial system and its enforcers. Um, so yeah, I would I would say that's a that's a unique aspect of it, and helps to helps to kind of organize it and allow it to be public. And actually, the more public it is, the more secure it is in a way. Um, and uh, and also the other thing is that there's there's no there's no minimum or yeah there's no minimum size for a sovereign state to exist. Um, so there's lots of small sovereign states like the like the Vatican is a sovereign state that's enclaved. And the, I think it's called San Marino is the, it's actually the oldest, the oldest constituted Republic, which is a tiny little enclave in Italy. Um, but essentially once, um, once the, the lawful basis is established, then the potential for conflict with enforcers of the, the external judicial system is eliminated because the communication happens on the level of with the judicial system as opposed to trying to deal with the enforcers and convince them of something. Um, so that that was that was a, an important uh, the 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 figuring out the uh, the uh, currency model which empowers all the members and is in everyone's uh, benefit and then the the law kind of model so that there's uh, there's peaceful coexistence essentially. Yeah. So for all the listeners to kind of give you yeah, one more kind of sort of overview, if they're, you know, if they're still not, not clear about this, is that essentially you've, you've created a, an area inside the United States, which is just completely peaceful and like potentially or, or even realistically a separate kind of 
entity from the United States. Uh, and I guess, I don't know if that's been sort of tested like you're talking about in the terms of the judiciary, you know, coming in or having to, to make a ruling. But I suppose in the, in the ideal case, it never, it never gets to that uh, state, right? Things are already operating quite happily and, and everybody's happy with it. Um, and, and of course, yeah, being sort of separate in that, in that way, you've had to just set up everything yourself in terms of uh, like, yeah, sustainable, um, yeah, crops and uh, the living um, accommodation and, and all that, all the, yeah, everything that you've kind of built, right? So this is just, uh, I, I'm just fascinated. I think this is a super interesting thing and uh, definitely, uh, I guess we'll talk about it a bit more in the, in the dedicated section, but uh hopefully that's a bit of it i'm just very mindful that people often you know would be listening to this while they're in the middle of, of something else so following the whole um story that uh you know might be quite hard to sort of visualize without like i've looked at some of the videos and everything that that really helps to to clarify but anyway we got to uh crack on with the actual uh agenda i guess so today bitcoin cash price USD $373, one BTC buys 111 uh, BCH. So we had a bit of a crypto crash at the end of last year, and now we're having a bit of a crypto crash at the start of the year, um, which I am in some ways actually uh, not that surprised about. I did say on the Christmas episode that I thought everybody was a bit overhyped with the whole super cycle bull market. We're going to 150K you know, per BTC and all that uh i'm still kind of hanging out for tether to have a meltdown and for the whole you know crypto scene to really suffer and i've been advising (laughs) not advising i mean not financially advising the listeners for a long time to be uh kind of wary of 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 sort of potential for downwards volatility and i think we might see that over 2022 like we might have a long slow kind of grind downwards uh which kind of crypto typically has once all the uh, euphoria has has left the has left the scene but uh as far as the the price goes do you follow the price action uh very much and i mean how long have you been uh, involved in in crypto um i think in 2011 i uh, i first heard about bitcoin from max kaiser and then um heard about it on a few episodes and then it took me a few months to actually figure out how to buy some um and then uh so that's when i I first i think i bought my first several bitcoin in 2012 um and went through that kind of um the first wave i think it was up to like a thousand or something and i was trying to tell everyone i knew about it then i got a few people into it at a thousand and then it crashed back down and i was trying to uh just fascinated me in the beginning and it was just so great how uh it was it was frictionless and and you and there wasn't even uh um although the only real obstacle was getting it in the first place figuring out how to get it so i didn't get into it um at the Mount Gox phase, I got into it from some other exchange that ended up crashing and I lost 0.4 Bitcoin from that one. But um, that was, uh, that was when I got into Bitcoin. And then um, when, uh, when Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash forked, I wasn't really, I wasn't following it that closely. I think I was like listening to maybe Jeff Berwick at the time. And he was kind of like, well, we'll keep both of them. And you don't really know what 
what will happen. And then it wasn't until um, there's lots of different people talking about it. And it wasn't until really listening to Roger Ver where he kind of stuck out from the, from the rest of the crowd as like that guy is speaking like the truth. And I agree with what he's saying. And, um, and that's why I, uh, I, I ended up supporting Bitcoin cash as opposed to the whole uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin core and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting sort of little uh, historical, you know, quirk that, that happened in this, right? Obviously, firstly, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I had no idea you were involved, you know, 2011, 2012, so very, very early. And I've often thought like this podcast by this point has had a pretty good collection of, uh, you know, people who were in uh, super early and maybe I'll even turn into a playlist sometime of just like, it it might be one of the, you know, the biggest collection of like interviews with very early Bitcoiners in a, in a series like that in the world, I think, Um, or it it might be trending in that direction. I don't know. But the interesting part about the whole split and everything was because crypto is, is decentralized, right? There's no, there's no announcement. There's no like, Oh guys, this is what all went down. You know, everything like that. Everybody's just going about their lives expecting Bitcoin to be Bitcoin. And then <clears throat> if they're more involved or they're more sort of following the the news, as it were, they might be onto it earlier. And some people like later, right? So we've had a whole um, variety on this show of people who were following it super closely in great detail, like I was, or people who just at some point were like, wait, Bitcoin's broken. What's going on here? And then having to figure all those things out. And as as regards Roger Ver specifically, it was, it, you know, he was very, uh, you know, outspoken or uh, there was a certain point where he, he really stuck to his guns with the whole, it's, got, it's a currency kind of thing. And so many of the other uh, people who were prominent voices at that time, I was personally quite disappointed that they didn't, you know, it was almost kind of bizarre that, uh, you know, people like Andreas Antonopoulos or, you know, Charlie Schramm, Eric Voorhees, like these are the kind of people that I think about that were uh, influential at the time. And they they just didn't, you know, they just kind of went along with things. They didn't really say, guys, we had a whole separate currency going here. What's what's going on? You know, I, I, I don't know. Do, who, who were the other voices that you were sort of like Jeff Berwick, for instance, I, I don't know where he's, he's at now, but I, I, as far as I know, he didn't strongly take a side at that time either. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't been following him recently. Um, he, uh, yeah, didn't really seem to promote one or the other. The last thing I've heard from him, he was promoting like a pirate tr- coin or some coin that he made and probably made a bunch of money off of it or something. And, um, he yeah he definitely found a way to profit off it and the same thing with max kaiser he created his own coin and figure out how to profit off of pumping and dumping some shit coin i guess is the is the phrase going around which um really annoys me when people apply that to uh, bitcoin cash because i the way that i see it bitcoin cash is the is the number one utility cryptocurrency that there is and um but anyways i guess i can still apply it to some of the other coins um but uh, trying to think back, I guess I just listened to um, guests. I mean, a lot of those guests, I think, were on Max Kaiser's show. And um, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't following it that closely, but I would follow. Uh, I would listen to different interviews with different people. And uh, I guess the ones that stuck out to me 
uh, really Roger Ver stuck out to me amongst uh, most of the other ones. There's some of um, some of the, yeah, but I, I don't even have the names off the top of my head to, to say like who kind of influenced me, but I definitely did listen to interviews of probably a dozen different people. And, um, and it was like, well, maybe they're right. Maybe they're not. And right when it forked, it didn't seem like there was a big difference because the, um, the, it didn't become clear the transaction cost difference. But then over time when it's like, well, this one is still basically frictionless and this one has a huge expense. And it's like, um, well, one of them is still fulfilling the original purpose and the other one isn't. And yeah, it, it was really strange how, um, how like the, the momentum and, and a form of market consensus developed around um, Bitcoin core. Uh, and, and I, I can't, uh, I mean, I'm, I guess my view of that is like conspiratorial, but I don't even know if it's a conspiracy at this point, because it's like the facts are there of the whole New York agreement and the people who took part in that. And then clearly lots of money changed hands in order to um, bribe influencers essentially in order to, um, from my perspective, the, the, the biggest revolutionary thing about Bitcoin is that it disintermediates this giant power system. And so obviously there's lots of, uh, there's lots of interests in that power system that have lots of money. So, and I forget, there's one person who, um, he talked about how he basically got interviewed by the CIA to like explain to them like what Bitcoin is or something before the whole New York agreement. So they basically, from my perspective, figured out a way to um, kind of, prevent it from fulfilling its utility, take the brand and then, and kind of integrate it into their financial system. And so all of the people who kind of bought into that, I stopped following all of them because they're basically just sellouts from my perspective and sure they profited a lot from that. But um, if your uh, if your values are based in like ideals and not dollar dollar figures, then I think those are the people who are still excited about, uh, about Bitcoin cash. Yeah, that's why it's just, you know, the whole thing in in hindsight, uh, I, I often think about it, you know, the ironic part was that the more decentralized part of, of the sort of Bitcoin community was was not prepared for that kind of attack precisely because it was decentralized, right? Everybody was just doing their own thing. There was no like central, you know, uh, arrangement or whatever. And so then when the, the BDC side of the fork, which was much more centrally coordinated in the short term, they had a, a you know, a much easier time and they sort of kind of, you know, came out on, on top, uh, even if they would have been, probably especially initially the the smaller the minority but because they were more centralized they were more coordinated and then of course it's you know taken all this time and now we might be starting to get to the point where the the problems with that system and the fact that there are people trying to you know uh, profit off it and whatever that need to have the blocks stay small because uh, you know otherwise how are they going to sell their other uh, solutions um is you know the problems uh, now that the market has now started to route around that but it's taken kind of all that that time for the the decentralized aspect to sort of slowly start winning back some uh, ground and i think we're going to see a lot more of that over the next you know maybe five to ten uh years because you know, the information gets out and the truth sort of spreads around you know routes around those those problems but it's taken all that time for those uh, things to kind of come to the surface so yeah anyway uh super super interesting 
um, how how that how that all played out. There'll be a lot of history <laughs> written about that uh, as time goes on. I mean, there already has been. So <clears throat> for the transactions, we got forty thousand uh, ish transactions on. BCH, BDC uh, is down a little bit too. It was kind of interesting that over the holiday period, things kind of quietened down a little bit, which sort of makes sense. I guess everybody was, you know, busy taking time off and stuff. Maybe there wasn't as much commerce going on. Everybody had already bought all their Christmas presents uh, or whatever. So you don't uh, see much of that. But do you follow the transaction count that, that closely uh, as, as part of, you know, monitoring the health of the network? I don't, but I do think it's more important than the, than the price, but I don't usually follow it that closely. In general, just from my perspective, I tend to have more transactions when the price is higher than when the price is lower. Um, Cause I, when the price is lower, I don't want to spend it. And then when it, when it goes higher, I'm, I don't like sell it back for dollars, but I'll spend it as currency. Um, so it makes sense to me that uh, as the as the price decreases, the transactions also also decrease. And in that way, um, I think that Bitcoin Cash has a degree of um, stability and 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 connection to the to the market forces in a way that um, that Bitcoin Core doesn't, because it's it's a lot more speculation based, whereas um, Bitcoin Cash is actually being used as a currency. Um, so that drives the price down, but the underlying value is higher because it's actually being used. So it's a, it's a strange inverse uh, inverse relation. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's definitely interesting that there's you know so much there's so much theory you know that people have about oh well if the, you know you have this currency where things are supposedly getting more valuable over time because there's a limited supply well then no one would ever spend it they would just all you know hodl it and hope that the price went to the moon but whenever i hear anybody trying to give me those explanations it's like well i don't know that you, you obviously haven't used it very much because if you use it yourself you discover exactly what you're saying it's the opposite when the price is going down everybody kind of gets like oh it's a bit of a bear market but i know this is going to be solid in the long run let me like clamp down on my spending and then when the you know price is going up people are suddenly like wow it's like free money or it's like look you know look at all this extra purchasing power i have and they they make more transactions so yeah i agree with you it does have sort of a natural self-stabilizing mechanism where if the price uh drops down commerce kind of dries up a bit but it kind of has a higher base floor of all the like hardcore uh, who won't you know sell or who are just like look let me just ride this out and and wait for the long term and then when the price is rocketing up that's when everybody's getting really excited and uh, transactions are flowing around a, a lot kind of the opposite of what you hear a lot of you know criticism from outside the cryptocurrency industry that are oh, well everybody will just sit on this. it doesn't even make sense because if the price is just going to the moon like eventually someone's like i want to spend this or cash it out in the case of bdc uh, it's just people want stuff. And if they have massively increased purchasing power, they they go and buy it, right? So that yeah, kind of makes it, sense. Yeah. It's, it's a completely different mentality behind Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Core. So I think that mentality does make sense for Bitcoin Core because the average person, I think, in that doesn't see it as a currency. And I wouldn't even, like, I don't even call it a currency anymore because I think it it failed as a currency. So I don't even think it is a cryptocurrency. I think it's like a, 
a, a blockchain asset or something like that. And and the people in the community, that's how they're they're framing it as like a competing with gold, not competing with other currencies. But it makes sense if you're uh, if you're just seeing it as like a as a speculation or or more so people think of it as an investment, even though it really is just a speculation. But as an investment, you want your investments to be going up. And if you're sure that's what you want to invest in and you're confident in that, you don't want to get out of that investment. And then because also then you have to pay taxes. Um, mm. So, so it, it makes sense from my perspective. And then and then that that speculative kind of emotional. Um, I wanted to say fervor. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, it leads to the the panic selling, whereas in Bitcoin Cash, if the if the. Uh, price spikes down like the last time it did in I want to say March of last or of 2021. I I uh, I took all of the the cash that I had in store and went to the bank and bought as much <laughs> cash as I could. Like oh it's it's on fire sale right now, and yeah. uh, and so that that benefited me and then that multiplied so that I was able to spend that over the next few years and and buy other things and buy it on purse.io so it was like even cheaper than buying it otherwise. To, so the the same value goes further. Um, but I definitely, I don't, uh, I, I, I won't touch Bitcoin uh, core at all because it's, it's, uh, it's so inflated that maybe it will keep going up, but you might just be throwing your money away. Yeah. That's got, that's going to be, there's got to be a tipping you know, point. And that's one of the most interesting things I think in looking at these transaction graphs and also we're going on yeah, here to the cent in USD as well too, where it's still been kind of pretty consistent for BCH, you know, 4 billion a day. And with BC, it's it's kind of dropping off. It's higher, but it's it's not really maintaining like those those higher levels because you would expect that uh, if BDC was being used more as a currency, it would be growing, like obviously, because it would be connecting into more people and the more coins would be flowing around and stuff like that. But instead, it, it, it just kind of, you can almost like sense it when you just look at these graphs. It doesn't look like a, a natural economy forming it just kind of turns into i don't know you know people who are settling up between exchanges i think must be one of the main uses for it that you know exchanges that already have you know hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever they send like these big transactions among themselves and when you watch the transactions on the network and you say look oh here's somebody who just paid three thousand dollars for a transaction it's like this is not anybody even buying a house, like why would they spend that much money? It has to be just some huge reserve getting dumped from like one exchange to another, you know, exchange. Like there's nobody else in the world who would bother to pay that much for a transaction when there's so many better options uh, available. So it is this kind of house of cards that there's, there's obviously some degree of sort of real end users who are just sitting on it and hoping to get rich but the, those people are kind of at odds with the actual users of the network who are paying the massive fees and, and, you know, hoping that it doesn't all just go like boom with them holding the bag. Right. Uh, it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. I think the, the biggest use case for Bitcoin core right now, other than just as a speculative investment is, uh, is just in those trading pairs, just because all of the different trading pairs are, are mostly anyways, um, related to Bitcoin Core that um, it's just like a legacy thing. It's not because it's performing that function better. It's just because it got there first and it hasn't been replaced yet, basically. And as it gets more and more expensive, there's more and more incentive to replace it with something that works better. 
Yeah, and I think that is starting to to happen. We'll yeah, we'll get on to talking about the Bitcoin dominance, which is obviously a huge indicator of that. But yeah, the existing liquidity, especially on the centralized exchanges, helps you know at a lot to stay at that uh, number one spot. But at the, by the same token, if it gets if it uh, ends up with problems in that regard, then uh, it will quickly spiral out of being like uh, relevant uh, if that if that loop starts to to flow the other way. Right. So first topic for today that uh, I, I really wanted to talk about was Vitalik Buterin. The 1st of January, he was coming out firing in 2022, completely unprompted from nowhere, basically. He made, this is Vitalik, who's the uh, co-founder of Ethereum, uh, for those who are not uh, au fait with all this. But anyway, he's a huge uh, voice in the cryptocurrency scene. And he made a thread on Twitter to start the year where he he kind of reflected on some of his opinions and things from the last uh, several years talking about, oh, okay, uh, one thing he said was that the fees on Ethereum are too high and they should be trying to bring that down and they're working on scaling and some of the ideas he had five years ago were really stupid and some of them sort of lasted the test of time and all that. But the most uh, relevant uh, points to this podcast is he made some comments about Bitcoin Cash. So in 2017, he's uh, quoted himself where he said, one, I consider BCH a legitimate contender for the Bitcoin name. I consider Bitcoin's failure to raise block sizes to keep fees reasonable to be a large non-consensual change to the uh, original plan in quotation marks morally tantamount to a hard fork to Thamos's censorship so at the time of the split he was he was like sort of on the big block side he was on the bch side in spirit even though you know he was busy running ethereum so he wasn't really making any um you know strong uh influence uh, either way and kind of it's interesting in hindsight that even though he was such a prominent early Bitcoiner and he did care a lot about it because he'd already established Ethereum as his separate thing, he, he's kind of been a bit on the sidelines. But in in spirit, you know, I think he's still a bit of a, a big blocker. So he, so that was his thoughts in 2017. And then in January 1st of this year, as part of his thread, he said, I was optimistic about Bitcoin Cash specifically because I agreed with the big blocker arguments in the scaling war more than the small blocker arguments. Today, I would call BCH mostly a failure. My main takeaway, communities formed around a rebellion, even if they have a good cause, often have a hard time long-term because they value bravery over confidence, over competence, and are united around resistance rather than a coherent way forward. And this was such an interesting you know, take to, to come out from him because there, it, it did get some uh, sort of interesting reactions, which will... We'll talk about uh, next, but I sort of was not really that surprised to hear him say that, or I, I at least think it's consistent with his position because the most recent stuff I'd heard from him was on this uh, chat that he did with Lex Friedman, which I talked about on one of the previous podcast episodes. And he basically was talking about, okay, Bitcoin Cash had the right idea, but then they kind of got embroiled in the fork with Bitcoin SV and Craig Wright left. And then he sort of talked about, okay, and then they later on, they forked off from eCash and whereas I sort of feel like there's a big, there's a split after, like not a split, but there's a, a a line after that point that the community at that point was finally on the same page after all the back and forth. But it sounds like either he doesn't agree with that or he maybe hasn't been paying as close attention. So in his mind, it's probably just, you know, trailing off over the next few years in more splits and more 
kind of you know uh chaos right it 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 is it is logical that initially the bitcoin cash side was defined as the not bitcoin core side rather than you know it sort of devolved into well what are we going to do instead and hence there's been kind of uh multiple forks but i feel like now the bitcoin cash community is on the same page and it does have the the white paper is essentially still the roadmap of this is what we're trying to do and we're trying to be a peer-to-peer electronic cash you know usable currency right so even though vitalik was kind of talking about okay it's all over and i think these guys are just pretty much done i think he might be surprised if bitcoin cash is finally on the same page and starts to roar back you know it's kind of pretty harsh for him to say it's a failure uh given that the net the fees are still low it's still completely usable still has a strong community it has smart bch has come out the kind of governance process and all that there's been wrangling about that but it's mostly been you know sorted out so i guess vitalik cops some flack from the bch community kind of being like well our network's actually perfectly fine and it's a bit rich to be you know criticizing it as a failure when it still does exactly what it says meanwhile ethereum you know is besieged with competitors because of its own high fees so there's i guess there's a lot of different angles you can you can take to what did what did you make of vitalik's comments i think the maybe the consistent thing from his perspective is if he is only concerned with ethereum then uh then rooting for the underdog um after the fork is benefiting ethereum and now that uh, ethereum's gaining on bitcoin core and bitcoin cash actually has all sorts of innovation like smart bch which as far as i understand can um basically run ethereum contracts on bitcoin cash frictionless now there's a new a, a new potential competitor for him to trash with his uh with his with his reach. Um, I think it's it's kind of interesting the the valuing bravery over competence. I don't really understand it. I guess it's a compliment to say that he thinks we're all brave. Um, I don't understand how, how the lack of competence, like it not only still works like the original Bitcoin, uh, but it has all sorts of use cases that the other ones don't have. So as far as I can tell, it has the most competence, but I guess I appreciate him, him considering us all brave. Um, and, and I mean, there's a, there's a coherent way forward. I don't even see the, I don't know what the resistance is. Maybe the, it's the resistance to compromise the ideals and that's what's, that's what's brave, but that's not a lack of competence because it, because it still works. So I think he's just saying that um, that he's not brave and he has um, compromised his ideals and he's just kind of externalizing that onto his competition. Interesting. I mean, I, I can sort of, I understand what he's trying to say, right? What what he's basically reflecting on, again, if you sort of really take it of that perspective of uh, the after the split, it's, it's him sort of observing both sides that Bitcoin core, like we sort of mentioned before, because they were the more centralized side, it was like, okay, the plan is we're going to freeze everything at one megabyte. We're going to rebrand as digital gold and we're still going to be Bitcoin, you know, with the brand name. And that was kind of their plan. And that's what they've done, right? They haven't had further forks. They haven't had internal community disagreement. And at the very least, um, 
the BDC side definitely ended up with a lot more of the people. I wouldn't say they were more technically competent, but they were more technically focused, right? A lot of the arguments made on the BDC side were kind of where the developers from on high and you should listen to us. Right. And so a lot of people kind of bought into that. Whereas with the BCH side, it was more like people who were like, well, you know, you can have any developers, like you need an actual working currency though. So it doesn't, if you guys think you're the high priests of Bitcoin core, like we're obviously not going to listen to that when, you know, there's other devs who disagree with you, who, you know, make complete sense themselves. Right. So why, you know, so I think that's kind of what he, he's, he's, he's seeing. And it does make sense to me that he says talking about being united around resistance because yeah, originally like it's a game theory type of thing, right? If you want to, if, if I, if I like one option and there's, you know, a camp that disagrees with me, the quickest way to get a win is to split them up. Right. So you can say, okay, well, we can have Bitcoin core, or we can have big block Bitcoin with two megabytes or Bitcoin big block with eight megabytes. And then suddenly, even if there's more people on the big block side, some might be on two megabytes, some might be eight megabytes. And now they're kind of split amongst themselves and arguing, you know, the details rather than winning one war before moving on to another one. And so because that's kind of how it played out, whether, you know, deliberately or not is kind of a matter for debate. But the fact is the, the big block side started Bitcoin Cash and then it then later turned into Bitcoin SV left because they had some different ideas and eCash left because they had some different ideas. So I think, you know, Vitalik is just sort of reflecting on the fact that the loss of that network effect rather than everybody being on, on side with one plan from the start means that it's, you know, kind of easier to say, oh, okay, well, of course you guys haven't, at least in his perspective, made as much progress over the next you know, a few, few years. And I think that situation has resolved itself and will change, but, uh, you know, I could see he could make the case that maybe, maybe it won't be like that. Maybe there will be more splits and drama, you know, do you, do you think that's likely? Are we going to have more splits in Bitcoin cash over the next two to three years, let's say? Um, I think that uh, the, the, I definitely agree with the point about the divide and conquer. I mean, that's kind of like the, the primary tactic or strategy or whatever um to defeat the enemy that that these kind of political or on, on many different levels so that's how i see every split um thus far and i think that any bitcoin that is splitting is basically doing so because there's still um in a, both innovation in that community but also because there's um in a way it's like a threat. Well, it depends where that, where the splitting is coming from. Like if it's really from the ground up, then it could be like people innovating and going in a different direction because they want to do it better. But um, at least the way that, the way that I saw the first two splits, uh, I definitely think were basically just divide and conquer um, tactics. And then the third one with, with uh, eCash, um, I'm not sure about, and because it wasn't contentious, it leads me to think maybe it was just more, just just the developers wanting to innovate in a different way and try something different and um because they uh i don't i don't i haven't followed what's gone on with that really but as far as i understand it's um it's it doesn't really matter because bitcoin cash already has it's similar with 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 the momentum of the brand that that bitcoin had 
except the difference is that Bitcoin Cash is still working as the as the frictionless cryptocurrency. So unless and so their whole innovation with that was to find a new way to uh, to adapt and evolve the 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 uh, the blockchain. But as far as I can tell, Bitcoin Cash is still advancing and um, and progressing in different ways without that need for a uh, I don't think the way that they did it was was ideal really. Um, so do I think it'll happen again? I think that um, I think that's why Vitalik made these uh, tweets because on some level it still sees Bitcoin cash as a threat. Like why else would you try like why why else would you even focus on it essentially? I mean I'm sure he knows. I don't know how many different blockchains can run can run Ethereum. Um, but, uh, but I, so basically I think that so long as it, uh, there will always, yeah, I think there will continue to be kind of divide and conquer attacks, but I think they've been less and less effective over time. So I don't think that, um, there will be effective ones, um, in relation to, in relation to Bitcoin cash, at least not until it, uh, it, unless or until it gets a lot more, uh, a lot more momentum. But, um, but I think, but I think like these kind of soft attacks from like different influencers, and I've just seen it in the last week, actually, like, like specifically since the start of this year, different uh, uh, Russell Brand or JP Sears, like people who have millions of followers that I like to listen to, they're, they're having on these, uh, these crypto type guest people who all seem to be basically Bitcoin core maximalists. And so there's a, I'm sure there's a, mon a monetary incentive behind that. And I think that they will continue like it, And the way that I see it in uh, in uh, bear market, it benefits Bitcoin cash. So if, if there's a bear market going on and then this, the same agenda exists to make sure that Bitcoin cash doesn't, uh, doesn't thrive, then uh then it makes sense that as the bear market is happening, there's more of these kind of attacks against Bitcoin Cash. When, when realistically, it's like, well, why, why is that your, why is that your focus anyways? Just like um, after the fork, like I don't know, for a couple of years, there was just so much uh, toxic communication, whether they're from actual people or bots or whatever, or maybe they're just spun up by different influencers of, uh, of people just trashing Bitcoin Cash who don't really know what they're talking about, but because they're bought into Bitcoin Core. They they just push that uh, they push that agenda. So if if uh, if Bitcoin Core takes like a nosedive, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't really know. But it's almost like it seems likely that the the knob of attacking Bitcoin Cash from that kind of social aspect would likely be turned up at the same time in order to kind of prevent it from thriving in that environment. So I don't I don't expect like the the attacks from the those kind of money interests to stop. And in the in uh, so long as uh, so long as Bitcoin Cash hasn't still works and hasn't compromised its ideals, it still represents the same the same threat um, that Bitcoin originally did. Um, so yeah, so I think I think it'll continue, but so long as uh, as long as the utility is there and as long as it's um, it still has a community there, it's not really going to make a difference other than price. Um, and I think, and that's one of the main tools I think that's used in order to uh, 
govern or manipulate people's mentality towards the coins because people are so price oriented when uh, when really it's not it's not about price it's about a currency about having a secure currency that fulfills a utility um, so people people get caught in this trap all the time of comparing bitcoin cash to the other currencies and like oh this one's doing better or you see the list of all the different ones and where does it rank in the list and what's going up or down um but i think that's it's like a psychological trap really uh that's the way that i see it and and the the less the less focused i am on that um the, the better it is for my mental state i think yeah, I agree. I think well, that's ultimately the, you know, the real proving grounds of, of BCH, you know, that maybe Vitalik or other people sort of dislike a Bitcoin cash because it has had these forks and these sort of drama or whatever. But to me, that that's the greatest strength about it. It's, it's proven that, you know, on both sides, if you're in the minority and you've got to keep the vision alive by splitting off from whoever the well-funded other side or the people who didn't get it in the first place or whatever, then you can do that. That was the first fork. And then the other two forks are the opposite side, which is that if Bitcoin cash has a small minority that want to do something different, well, that's fine. You can just let them go and Bitcoin cash will stay Bitcoin cash. Right. And so since I know that there is a community that is independently able to, you know assess the options and decide this this is the real bitcoin as long as you we're growing that crowd of people which is just user education right i'm not sitting here trying to tell everybody if there was another split that they should listen to me as to this one is bitcoin or that one is bitcoin no everybody should independently read the white paper look at the coins you know listen to the arguments and make their own decision and at some point that group of people who can independently make that uh, decision hits a critical mass and then the community just becomes like unstoppable right and i think that's kind of what is starting to happen uh around bch so it's very interesting that uh you know vitalik was was criticizing but on the whole i don't think people were too like salty about it people just you know people for the most part were just kind of like all right well whatever vitalik sounds like you're not really uh staying in the race with us here on uh creating a, a usable you know peer-to-peer cash but i can i can i do take his points that you know maybe bch still hasn't broken through in terms of it still hasn't you know gained the momentum against btc to say we are the real bitcoin obviously i would say that but like let's say if there was a huge price run up and bch was let's say one tenth or one fifth or one half the price of BTC, suddenly the voices would get really really loud like if bch takes over BTC, coinbase what are you doing you know the different exchanges like are you guys going to give them back the title of bitcoin but we're not going to have that discussion until bch has a huge surge of kind of momentum and uh and interest and if you're not paying close attention to the details then you might not see that or think that was likely or or going to happen which i think is how vitalik is uh is seeing it so it is kind of on us i feel to uh kick it up a gear hopefully in, in 2022 and and make some uh you know start making that case a little bit a little bit stronger like we're still in the conversation we're not out of the conversation but on the other hand we're also not making big strides or like 
we could do better about making big strides forward in the minds of people like Vitalik who are maybe watching it at a semi-casual level rather than than in the detail you know yeah I mean I think that um a lot of the noise is coming from people who aren't using cryptocurrency as currency so when you actually try to use the cryptocurrency as currency and not use a competing currency um maybe I'm just ignorant of the other cryptocurrencies out there but there's nothing that compares to Bitcoin Cash like I can literally like I traveled overseas a couple of years ago. I paid for my plane ticket. I paid for my hostel. I paid for all of my purchases with uh, with my MasterCard, which was loaded with Bitcoin Cash. Um, I can pay my phone bill. The all of my bills I can pay with Bitcoin Cash. Like I can I can very easily do that. The only problem is the is the roadblock they put to buying more Bitcoin Cash essentially because because that's how they. Uh, their way to, to, to one of their ways to prevent it from being used as currency is if it's so difficult to convert your dollars to Bitcoin cash, then it becomes less of a, both the friction and the difficulty, the obstacles and the hoops and everything that you have to go through. But um, I mean, you could probably use Bitcoin core to do most of those transactions, but every transaction you would just be paying several dollars. You'd just be burning it. Like there's, there's zero point of doing that. Um, because if they're doing the same thing and one, one, you have to just like burn a $5 bill, every single transaction, it's like, why the hell are you doing that when there's no benefit to it? Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not following Ethereum that closely, but just from a couple of the things that you brought up and you said that he said about their friction and, him saying, well, he had some bad ideas and they haven't figured out the friction. It sounds like they don't know their way forward, um, but it's really clear to me what Bitcoin Cash's way forward. It's the exact same way forward that Bitcoin had in the beginning is working as a cryptocurrency, which it still does. Um, it, there's no lack of competence. There's so much competence that it not only works as a cryptocurrency, but there's all of these things that are now able to be built on top of it. So, I mean, if I was, uh, if I was him, maybe I would put out a, a, a a tweet like that and then i would sell some ethereum and buy some bitcoin cash when it goes down maybe uh i bet they i don't know maybe uh maybe there'll be some people doing that but um yeah it just seems pretty hypocritical to me yeah i think uh that's that's a pretty you know mature and reasonable take on it everybody's just kind of like vitalik sort out your own network before you kind of come and uh, mess around with us so i've got on the next slide as well it was sort of interesting the takes that people had uh in reaction to this i've got three takes here which sort of form three you know uh points on a triangle sort of as to the the reaction so the first one was from mark lamb which is the take i will you know personally would most kind of agree with where he said bch is united around a way forward and one way uh 0508 which is uh Kui Wang, one of the smart BCH developers, is spearheading much of that way forward with respect to smart BCH. The community is highly decentralized and has accomplished a great deal with decentralized decision making. It's starting to show and then a link to the DeFi Llama stats for smart BCH. So I think that's kind of the BCH community take was just sort of like, we're, we're doing fine, man. Like just we're on the same page. We're doing exactly what you said, pretty much the same thing you said, similar stuff to what I said you know, that was kind of what out the internally, the community felt like, like, okay, well, you can criticize us for whatever, but it's not really that um, valid. But of course, if you take the other side of the coin, so um, 
Amori, the dev who uh, was, you know, involved in BTH and then left with eCash, somebody tagged him in this post with Vitalik, like, you know, to see what he thought. And he said, he is right. This is why I left. So, you know, the people still in the community are happy <laughs> with the way things are going. And the people out of it, I, you know, I sort of still trying to criticize, you know, it was, it was interesting. And then finally, I've got here Tone Vase, who is, you know, representing the BTC stand in take. And he, his take was, I remain dumbfounded by what Ethereum has achieved in light of the fact that its creator never understood what a blockchain is and still doesn't. And I thought this was a classic take because he's basically trying to shit talk Ethereum at the same time as BCH. He's trying to get jabs in on both of them. But at the same time, since ETH is now 50% of the market cap of BDC and they are really starting to, you know, uh, challenge them seriously on price, which is the one metric that they kind of care about. He kind of has to acknowledge like Ethereum must be doing something right because (laughs) they're, they're creeping up on us. But so he's sort of trying to backhanded compliment uh, to Ethereum, like, well, you're doing better than BCH, but you're still shit. And then also trying to talk down, oh, BCH, oh, they never understood what a blockchain was either, right? So it's kind of, uh, you know, everybody's in the right place, right? Yeah. The people who think we're doing great are inside the community and the people who don't get it uh, are not in the community. So I think everybody's uh, everybody's where they should be. But uh, yeah, did you have any <laughs> thoughts on this kind of variety of reactions? Um, well, I, I, uh, I agree with Mark Lamb. Tone Bay's, uh, that one surprises me because in a way I, the way I read it is almost like a, almost like he's defending Bitcoin cash that he's deciding to, uh, to jump in, um, on that thread and then criticize Ethereum. Like, obviously it's, it's almost like from his perspective, it's not even worth like criticizing Bitcoin cash anymore. It's just like, whatever is uh is a bigger threat to their store of value narrative so maybe maybe the bitcoin core maximalists will will realize that bitcoin cash isn't a threat to them because the brand isn't really in contention at this point and there's completely different use cases for both um and so that that kind of surprised me that um, because i didn't see it as a as a criticism of bitcoin i don't think he's um criticizing the the bitcoin cash blockchain he's just criticizing ethereum and that vitalik doesn't understand what a blockchain is um i don't, I don't yeah. know the validity of that but um but it, it kind of surprised me that he would jump in on that thread yeah i mean understand, he's always critical of bitcoin cash and yeah, well, it's just that this, uh, you know, this tweet that he quoted was, I was optimistic about Bitcoin Cash specifically. That's kind of not as clear here on this uh, slide. But essentially, you know, Vitalik was saying, oh, I, I, at the time of the split, I was favoring Bitcoin Cash. So I think Tone is trying to get in there like, oh, you were such an idiot because you picked the wrong side then. And then he's also, yeah, like you're saying, sort of trying to get in there and trash Ethereum a bit as well too. So I, I don't, I, you know, obviously everyone who's listening to the show can uh, make up their own judgment, but I just thought it was so fascinating that Vitalik came in with this, uh, this takes and, and, you know, the eCash perspective was, okay, we left because we didn't like what was going on. Well, that made sense. Everybody was happy with that. And then the BCH take is guys, we're, we're actually doing good. Like, bch uh mindset is very long you know long thinking it's very kind of like we're happy to take some pain now or in the recent past so that everybody can get on the same page in a decentralized way and then 
kind of start crushing it from there. So it kind of ties into the next slide I have here, which is that Bitcoin dominance has once again dropped below 40% of the total cryptocurrency uh, market cap. So for every $10 worth of crypto there is, six of it is not in Bitcoin and only four of it is in is in Bitcoin now, right? So this is not the lowest it's ever been, but it's very, very close. The lowest it's ever been has been in that kind of uh, 33% uh, range uh, sort of after the last, um, you know, bull market before this one at the end of, uh, uh, it's sort of in 2018, right? It was the lowest it got was about a third um, before it started gaining background against the field of all competitors. But Bitcoin is 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 looking bad against the field at the moment. Ethereum is now, you know, uh, consistently 50% of Bitcoin size. So there's 40% in Bitcoin of the total, then 20% is in Ethereum. Uh, and then obviously you have everything else making up the last uh, 40%, particularly the ones outside the top 10, right? So the, you know, the top 10, there's no real standouts from there in terms of them grabbing a lot of market share, but the just general field, including Bitcoin Cash and all the other thousands of others are, are kind of gaining in, in prominence as the market spreads out into more and more um, currencies. So I sort of take this to mean that the market leaders being BDC and ETH are, are not delivering because they have the biggest network and the most brand recognition and stuff. They should be gaining against their competitors, but instead they're kind of falling behind because they're, well, their fee problems and, you know, various other uh, problems that their own communities have, have become kind of toxic and, you know, maybe they're not innovating in the right way, or at the very least, pe people are voting against them. People are more and more interested in all the other options, um, which kind of ties into, you know, the the reactions that we saw to Vitalik talking down to BCH. But the the market is kind of voting voting against him. Uh, maybe not on BCH specifically, but uh, Ethereum just has more and more competition, and so does uh, Bitcoin BDC. So. I don't know. Do you do you see this as uh, kind of um, what's the word for it? Uh, you know, is this is this an ongoing trend? Are we going to see is Bitcoin dominance going to hit new all time lows? Is that going to create panic in their camp that uh, they're screwing up, or are they just going to go down with the ship and just watch it sink and never kind of switch up their game plan? Uh, any any thoughts on on that? Uh, I think a big factor in the dominance decreasing is all of the, like the hype in DeFi things and NFTs and all these other tokens that have these hugely inflated values. So then if, if, if it's in a, a zero sum game, the, the Bitcoin core dominance is decreasing because of that. So I would kind of think um, assuming, and a lot of that I think is also related to the kind of the easy money policies that uh, that we've seen, like a lot of the stimulus and all of that kind of stuff. So if there's overall more deflationary trends, there's going to be people pulling out of a lot of these speculative assets. And um, I think likely when that happens, the Bitcoin dominance might go up some because a lot of these other really fluffy ones <laughs> um might crash a lot more than uh than bitcoin core um 
So, so I would say maybe that that dominance would increase, but it seems likely that uh, I don't know. Ethereum does have a lot of uh, a lot of momentum behind it, I guess, because it's related to all of these other the the DeFi and the NFT type things. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of Bitcoin Core's um, momentum is kind of been spent in a in a large way. Like uh, the the guy from El Salvador, he says that maybe there might be two other countries that that use um, that ex- accept Bitcoin Core as a reserve or a currency or something this year. And so like they're way forward, they're already kind of integrated with the whole financial institution. And at least the way that I see it, I think um, I think it got so inflated in order for those kind of like financial predatory institutions to um, to hype it, to get people to put their money in at those inflated values, to take those people's money, and then they'll drop it back down and then get the people to sell at a fire sale. And then um, whether or not, whether or not it, it gets reinflated after that is kind of all up to them basically. But um, so I, I could see, uh, I could see it kind of happening either way, depending upon kind of the nature of the bear market or if it gets reinflated or not. But um, overall, the, the, the current kind of trend, economic trends that I'm perceiving is that there's kind of a, a deflationary cycle coming. Um, so unless, unless they, they uh, and, it, 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 and from my perspective, it's whether or not the Federal Reserve defends the dollar or not. So um, most likely they'll prevent it from going into hyperinflation, but it'll still inflate at very high values. But then the question is, will they, will they stimulate the, the general market with stimulation checks and stuff? Because they can have, they can, there can be, I guess it's uh, stagflation where they continue to inflate the monetary supply, but the economy is going down. So in that situation, the cryptocurrencies would be going, you would think would be going down because the retail market would need that money to pay for their bills. But then the financial industry, who would just have infinite money, essentially, they might um, re repump it for um, for their own means. So it's kind of hard for me to predict because it's like based on these agendas of these large institutions, basically. Um, but the the Bitcoin Cash, I feel, is insulated from a lot of the that speculative fervor, I guess, and um, and and in that way. I uh, I I feel confident that um, that as there's uh, the bear market proceeds in Bitcoin Cash, there's more uh, kind of ratio of people wanting to buy at a sale. Whereas with Bitcoin Core, there's just going to be more people who are wanting to sell so that they don't lose absolutely everything that they put into it. And and I guess a lot more immature investors in Bitcoin Core versus the I don't even really like to think of Bitcoin Cash as investment because I, I like to think of it as a currency. And so the lower it goes, the more I want I want to see it as a store of value because I'm confident in its utility as a currency. Um, whereas otherwise, um, I can just use it as a currency without needing to keep too much value there. Um, so I think, at least from my perspective, uh, for a store of value, I prefer precious metals. But if the if the bear market proceeds and Bitcoin cash gets down to a low price, then I would convert those precious metals into Bitcoin cash. Um, so that's kind of how I would, how I would kind of navigate it. But as to the overall dominance, it's really, uh, it's really hard to say. Cause I feel like it, it's like a $2 trillion market cap or something. 
but I think that of the the retail market that actually has their money in there, I would be surprised if it's like 10% of that. Um, so it's really like trying to guess what these giant financial institutions will do, guess what the Fed will do. And um, I mean, uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things for world reserve currencies, every like, what is it, 40 years or something, they 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 jump to a new uh, a new uh, asset backing essentially from France to the UK to to the US. So I would think it would be more likely that they would jump from the US to China than from US to like Bitcoin Core. But then again, what China is doing seems to be kind of counter to the agenda of they've had all these crackdowns recently in these different fields which seems like it would be counter to a lot of those interests so maybe maybe from that perspective they're like well who's gonna who's gonna be the cart or the the horse that pulls the cart is it gonna be china or, or is it gonna be like bitcoin core so i don't know um but uh but there's so much risk there and compared with bitcoin cash i feel like bitcoin cash is really uh steady in in comparison um yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, BCH is certainly if the whole crypto market drops, BCH like drops too. But I agree with you. I think the floor is much higher, at least proportionally, because yeah, people have been in it. They've already suffered a lot of sort of on paper losses or, you know, whatever. And people, yeah, can be so much reassured because they're like, oh, wait, I just bought a thing with this like it's working it's all good guys like really uh real panic sets in when it's like i've been i've been focused on the price i've been hoping the price is going up it was going up you know i'm succeeding and then once it starts going down it's like the more of the doubts uh creep in you know um and yeah it's definitely interesting that you have a that kind of strategy of the the precious metals and uh bch in a sort of a combo like that obviously uh bitcoin bdc also has well they've become more kind of against precious metals because they spend so much time arguing with the uh, peter schiff i guess <laughs> um they see it as really antagonistic you know when when really the the two can you know be synergistic like that i mean i've talked about silver investing on this show before as well uh too so kind of do you think that you know do you see that as being a trend that more people are gonna get get into as well um i don't know it's it's hard to it's hard to say but i think that it's likely well we have seen the trends of the central banks buying more gold and the kind of the big institutions i mean the the fact of the inflation of the u.s dollar it's it's losing its value at like maybe six to fifteen percent every year so if you're like if you're having to compete with that that loss of value then it makes sense to put your store value in something very stable um so as far as uh like where the floor is um for bit for bitcoin core like who the floor is so like i would say the the floor of bitcoin core is well i don't know but it's relatively so much lower than uh than bitcoin cash and like from my perspective like maybe bitcoin cash the last time it bottomed out i think it was like 150 or something like that and i doubt that it would bottom out um lower than that so it, it like worst case scenario in my mind it's like it could have like a 50 percent down whereas bitcoin core could easily have like a 95 percent down or 100 percent down if it just doesn't come back because it can't um 
it once it loses its appeal and there's other things that outcompete it just like the the whole stock market bubble like there people were were sure that some domains had inherent value but it turns out no it has no inherent value if it gets outcompeted by another domain it's just a it's just a word a, a digital idea um and then compared to like gold like i think that its bottom is maybe like 20 or 30 percent down or something so um in that way uh i think and, and obviously it has a history of millennia um so so i feel confident in uh in and 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 also it, it relates to like a store of value is savings versus investment versus speculation versus like bitcoin cash is a is a utility it's a currency which you can then invest in because it's the it's an innovation that is beating all of the other innovations to perform the function of a currency and there's a limited supply in that but at its base level it's not an investment it's a it's a utility um so that's the that's the base foundation of of that which which um which would give me the confidence to at some point potentially sell gold to buy to buy this digital asset um or digital like utility basically um so I would say definitely on the uh, on the larger scale, I think we're going to see more kind of institutions and and um, and central banks be uh, be moving more into uh, into precious metals and other physical assets. But it's um, it's hard to tell with the retail market because it's largely it's largely like a herd that's guided by these various influencers. And so uh, it's more likely from my perspective that the herd will get slaughtered than it will like all of a sudden figure out like where the value is, uh, which is which is like a really dark kind of thing. But that's kind of the the agenda of like the financial predators is to take everybody's money. And the average the average person has like zero financial competence compared to like uh, these giant um, financial institutions. So. Uh, I think for the most part, the people who have put their savings in real assets will benefit nominally as the as the currency continues to inflate and lose value, and it'll uh, it'll be um, it'll, there's I mean so there's the, the kind of move to protect those those assets but like for bitcoin core at least from my perspective that was why it got so inflated in the first place is so that uh, as people get into it they can take that money and continually deflate it so um whether or not people are, will move more into precious metals i mean i guess yes if the if the price has some wild um increases then uh, then the the herds will flock to it but i what i expect more from like gold is just kind of like a steady increase that will basically mirror in inverse the uh the inflation rate the 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 loss of value of the dollar so it's, it's essentially it's just i don't see it as an investment i just see that as savings like it's a it's a th it's a weight of a, of an element and it's going to stay that same weight of an element regardless unless like the only risk is someone who takes it from you and yes, the relative valuation of that from other people's perspectives will will change, but ultimately that's what makes it a very stable store of value. So I think it's so funny to see the Bitcoin core people debate with Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff is one of the people I really like to um, listen to, and he's very educational and I get a lot of information from him. And I think he's right on about Bitcoin core, but... Um, I don't think he understands Bitcoin cash at all or has looked at it at all, or I don't think he would debate Bitcoin cash because 
it's not it's not competing with gold. Well, I guess at some point, um, Bitcoin Cash could realistically make gold obsolete, um, assuming that it maintains its utility. Then, um, then the uh, well, I mean, it wouldn't really it wouldn't make it obsolete because gold will always have its elemental value. But as far as being a better store value or a better money, um, I think that uh, I think he's right about Bitcoin Core, but I I doubt he would. He would, uh, I would, I would really like to see him try to debate someone about Bitcoin Cash, but I don't think he would because it's not in his interest. Like he's not defending like gold against Bitcoin Cash, basically. Maybe in five years, we'll see. Maybe I'll debate him in five years. <laughs> yeah, dude, that would, I would love to see that. I mean, I think, yeah, exactly. He's going to have such a tough time with the whole crypto thing because, I mean, he can stay in his lane. He can argue with Bitcoin BDC, but, uh, and that's fine. And he does have, you know, a few good like punches that he can get in there, right? Where he goes, oh yeah, but you guys just, just store a value and gold has the history and blah, 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 blah. But as soon as he starts talking to a crypto community, like whether it was BCH or like Dash or just any other one that was just like, but hang on a second, I got paid in crypto and I paid someone in crypto. How is that not money? Like you just finished. So uh, yeah, I guess he can't really afford to get into that kind of debate whether he's avoiding that because he can see that coming or probably more likely just because he thinks he's got it all figured out with uh btc i don't know but uh yeah so let's talk a bit more about mining then i want to (laughs) segue from gold mining to crypto mining we got bitcoin verde uh who are one of the bitcoin cash node implementations about six or seven days ago they mined their first ever block uh, using their software. It was block 721,020. Um, and this was really, really awesome. Um, they confirmed it on Twitter and everything as well, but they left a message the way uh, that people are able to tell what uh, software is used to mine, what blocks is in the Coinbase um, part of the block when it's actually mined. You can leave like a small message in there. So they left one that said pool.bitcoinverde.org slash verde slash VT dollars follow follow the father star Ava pixel.kl. So I'm not really sure about this. Follow the father star. That just seems like a bit of a, I don't know, navigation advice or, or something like that. But uh, this was a super important event uh, because having more different kinds of miners uh, more different varieties of software used to mine reduces the risk of there being a problem in any one uh, mining implementation. And for Bitcoin Verde specifically, they had last year this project, the BitBalancer, which I said was like one of my, you know, my favorite innovation that year, uh, which was to allow uh, people to mine on any of the software and then it can cross check against the other ones so that the miners have no risk of using different software of having incompatibilities and then losing out uh, with an invalid block, right? Which is a really, really huge, huge deal. So as far as I know, this one was not using the bit balancer. This was just proving that Bitcoin Verde could, you know, had all the mining implementation and everything and it could work. And then I guess the bit balancer part is going to come up as well. So then they can have more mining of, of Bitcoin Verde and uh, BCHN and the other different uh, node softwares. But I was super, super excited to see this because it, it's all adding to that same theme of building a diversified 
uh, mining infrastructure, which I think is massively important because if you have a diversified mining infrastructure and diversified node clients, uh, then really the only other things you need are diversified wallet providers and which there's already like quite a lot of, uh, and then diversified information sources to the community. And once you have those four things, there's, there's no central point that can be <laughs> shut down or, or, or really fucked around with. Um, so this is a huge, huge win, I, I, I think. So I wanted to shout out um, them. But yeah, do you, do you follow the mining much or are you impressed about this? I, I looked into Bitcoin Verde at one point, but I honestly don't, I don't fully understand how the, uh, uh, the different clients can put like different blocks on. Like, I think when I looked into Bitcoin Verde is like, it had other potentials that you can do with Bitcoin Verde that you couldn't do with the other client. Is that correct? Uh, well, they it's just, it's this, essentially they're all implementing the Bitcoin cash protocol uh basically and the they can be written in different software languages and then yeah they can be slightly different in the sense that of the nodes that we have like some of them have like uh some of them i think don't even have a gui maybe so there is no like you know wallet uh that you can just use by clicking buttons like it's more just straight to the terminal i think that's the case there might be one or two that are just like that obviously bitcoin verde now has mining i don't know if every all the six implementations all have mining at the moment obviously bchn does because that's the one that most use but uh, maybe some of the others don't have mining or in the past bitcoin verde didn't have support for mining because people were not using it to mine so yeah there may be some kind of slight differences around the edges of, of what you can do with it. bitcoin verde also has an inbuilt um, blockchain explorer and stuff which the other ones don't necessarily have so yeah you are right there are these kind of slight differences in in functionality but obviously they all agree on the main you know how a blockchain works and how to send money from you know one to another okay yeah i, I don't fully understand it but it sounds like it sounds like good news the free market is finding more solutions and that diversity is will end up benefiting it it seems from from my limited layer of understanding about the mining clients yeah i'll have to do an episode focused on mining with uh, an expert at, <laughs> at some point but uh yeah we don't need to dwell on this all too much but i just thought that was just really really excellent news and if the bitcoin verde team they only just mined this one block as far as i know they didn't mine another one i did check but uh it doesn't seem like they mined another one but if they can mine a couple more blocks and uh, get the balancer running with this uh proven in in you know um in reality in production that would be absolutely massive no crypto community as far as i know is is even close to having anything like that uh so that would be massive for decentralization right so next topic uh which we kind of started talking about at the at the start but we can do a bit more of a deep dive into it is uh living off the grid with bitcoin cash and so you've got the off-grid foundation and the kind of sovereign state uh, Allodium, which people can check out at this link, Allodium, A-L-L-O-D-I-U-M dot I-S, uh, has more information and some pictures and stuff. And if they're um, interested in that, but we kind of talked about it at the start. So it's a free and sovereign state enclaved in Vermont in the United States. Uh, and I've got a few points here that I sort of took away from uh, looking at all the information. So 
the Elodium Reserve holds BCH and gold as primary reserve assets, which I guess you were talking about before. But you also have your own blockchain currency called Appreciation Tokens, which uh, you can clarify for me. I wasn't clear whether it was actually like a internet currency or whether it's kind of a blockchain, but it's run almost like manually on a on a spreadsheet because it's a smaller community. They've got 54 members uh, that are involved and in, in using this. And, and obviously, yeah, you can also talk about uh, how BCH is accepted, obviously, at a currency for a variety of produce. So with shipping available. So uh, I don't know, there might actually be people in your area or even globally. I don't know. Can I order a cucumber or something from you? That might be uh, super cool. So yeah, just uh, talk a little bit more about the the project and uh, all those different aspects to it. I don't know, whatever you think is most important. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll start off with the currency. So the uh, after learning about the whole debt-based monetary system and figuring out that like how it works economically but it also results in everyone being in debt my intent was to basically invert that to um, create a system that would also work economically with the free market but would result in everyone being in a state of abundance um, so the 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 base there's uh there's three ways that the appreciation tokens are generated and well um yeah okay i'll get to that later so the the first is that every member of elodium generates one token every day so that's the the base inflation rate which is um evenly distributed for everyone so it's like the an, an incentive for people to be a member of elodium that they they generate one token every day um and then the second is incentivizing labor, uh, investing labor to uh, build up the, the foundation. Currently, um, it's just this one property that's staked to Elodium, but there could potentially be other properties that are staked in other places. And then the kind of like several or many different nodes of property that can then provide for the members so that people can go to one place or another and have a have a community and a place to live and maybe maybe um, a way to contribute to them. Um, so the second incentive or the in form of appreciation uh, token generation is through work. So uh, literally proof of work, the, the labor that people do generates the tokens. And then the third is basically proof of stake that people can stake a thousand tokens to create an OG cred, which is a, a stake in the cooperative, which then um, generates additional tokens. And that's also used as like a weighted vote. So when I said there's the, there's like six stakeholders among 12 affirmed members, the 12 affirmed members are within the jurisdiction of Elodium, but only like six of them have, um, have, have a stake in it essentially. Um, and so the the way that it's operated is a blockchain which is manually um, manually maintained, but it's also hosted on the it's been hosted on the Waves blockchain for um, for at least four years over four years, um, so that it's a cryptocurrency on the Waves blockchain. So it's kind of like the we operate a manual bridge basically so that you can bridge your appreciation tokens from the, the, the offline ledger, which, which is, um, and then to, 
the Waves ecosystem so that you can have it directly on your own wallet and then um, exchange it on their exchange. And uh, my intent and for the last year has been to also set up um, a bridge to the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem as well so that we can have appreciation tokens on the, that you can have on your Bitcoin.com wallet and then exchange it there as well. And um, my technical prowess is very limited. So I ran into a few roadblocks and I wasn't sure the best way to go with like the SLP tokens or the, or the uh, smart BCH. Um, but at the scale that it's at now, it works to, uh, to manually do that and then just to manually facilitate that, that bridge. Um, so the, currently the, there's a block every week. Um, that's the, the block time. So every Tuesday, I publish a blockchain report, which shows a ledger of all of the accounts and how many appreciation tokens and the OG creds and how many tokens were generated in the last week. And then so there's a blockchain of all those back to the Genesis block. So you can see where all the tokens are going to and where they've been. And then if you transfer them off of the, the Elodium exchange onto the Waves ecosystem, then it becomes... Um, not tracked, but the total amount of appreciation tokens that have been transferred to the Waves ecosystem are tracked. So like the liquid pool that's in the Waves ecosystem, um, there's, a, there's a value for that. So in the same way, once we figure out how to do the, uh, or I, but hopefully with help from other people, figure out how to set it up on the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem, that'll basically just be another, um, another row in the uh, in the ledger of of the liquidity in the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem, and as there's a, as there's more supply or demand in in either ecosystem, that that determines whether or not that uh, it makes sense to continue that. So the Waves one, it's like there's not really much liquidity for the most point. It's just like a, like a price fix every week, basically, and it stays roughly around twenty five cents a token, and um, so that's the I, I and then ideally it will uh it will adapt into its own uh its own blockchain um so that I don't have to manually facilitate it and as it grows that will become a necessity um and then as well uh doing the validate validation of ID essentially which is relatively easy as an individual and you know the people but once it becomes all online that's a whole other aspect of how to do that um so that's kind of the the direction of how it will kind of adapt is first get onto another platform which i think the i like the the waves platform but it doesn't have like a community like the bitcoin cash community i feel and um and it, it just benefits elodium to be on multiple different ones but it was just on waves first because that's kind of the that's what they marketed themselves as is primarily to for people to be able to make tokens there and it's just really easy and um uh so then uh, um the produce that is available is um we have a number of different produce the there's a the neighboring farm has grass-fed beef and the way that the the legislation is is when you take your the beef gets slaughtered on the farm, so it never has to go to like a slaughterhouse and get all that stress and hormones and everything. And so it's, it's it all is all grass fed and all natural, and they like have a 
a very humane kind of death as they're like eating grain and stuff. But when you slaughter them like that, you can only sell animals by the half or by like the full animal. And the average person doesn't want to buy like 500 pounds of beef or whatever. Like you have to get a whole freezer to fill it up. So because Elodium is, is in its own jurisdiction, there's no issue for us to be able to sell like beef by the pound essentially. Um, so we can um, buy like a, a half of an of a animal and then sell it by the pound that way. Um, so there's beef available. There's also uh, Lugol's iodine, which is uh, uh, an important supplement. We got that in bulk and I bottled that up, that's available. We also have um, legal cannabis products that are under the 0.03 THC um, limit. So there's, um, we have gummies and flowers and also Delta-8 uh, cartridges. So that's all, uh, that's all legal to be able to ship throughout the U.S. I don't know about the shipping in other places because um, they have different laws and stuff. So for the most part, um, the shipping would just be in the, in the U.S. But I mean, you could contact me and if you know the laws of your state or whatever and, and it'll all work out, then, then that could work as well. Um, so the, the produce that we have available creates the, the utility basically for the, the appreciation token. So, and, and another um, kind of per reason to create the, the appreciation tokens in that way is it's basically a way that people can onboard into the crypto community without having to go through all these hoops because they, uh, once they become a member, they just start generating tokens. And then at some point, if they want to um, extract those tokens and convert them into another form of crypto, then that can all be done without any kind of KYC, um, because it all starts in uh, in a in its own in its own jurisdiction. So that is, um, I guess, kind of an overview of the of the cryptocurrency and um, and the 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 what what can be purchased with it but then the, and then the the goal in the long term is to um is to just have that as the basically facilitating the liquidity so as an abundant source of of liquidity that um that benefits all of the members by giving them uh them and a source of abundance yeah i mean yeah yeah go on well, I wasn't sure. I, I forgot at that point what, if your question was everything in relation to Elodium or just the uh, or just the the currency system. But I think I covered most of the currency system. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And I think there's a few there's a few elements that I really want to sort of highlight to uh, listeners of the show here that they might not sort of uh, uh, understand at first. But so obviously, uh, yeah, maybe I'll we'll see. Uh, I'll have to look into it. I'm I'm in the UK, but it'd be pretty cool if I could buy a, a steak or something um, that had come like directly in in BCH. Like that, that would be so awesome. So. Uh, we might look into that as well, but what you're one, you know, what you're talking about with doing a manual blockchain is very un important for people to understand that the concept of a blockchain actually has nothing to do with, well, it does. It's not directly related to the internet and the way that we think of, you know, people might think of a Bitcoin or you know, Bitcoin Cash or Ethereum or whatever. We do it over the internet because it's just the most convenient and easiest way of, of operating. But in theory, if you or in practice as you're doing, even if you took away the internet, you could still run a, a blockchain system uh, in in various ways, even to the extent of like 
proof of work uh, calculations being done on paper, you know, with a with a pen and a piece of paper, and people announcing, "Look, I've solved this," you know, cryptographic hash and whatever. And there would be uh, practical sort of problems uh, with with doing that. Obviously, the scale cryptocurrency is now. You can just swap out Bitcoin Cash for all being on paper without without a lot of grief, you know, in the short term. But in theory, even if there was problems with the internet or if humanity develops new methods of communication, all you need is some kind of communication channel and the fundamental ideas of, of how a cryptocurrency works can still operate. So this is the sort of first example I've heard of people doing a, a more of a manually based blockchain for a small community like that uh because generally people are just use the internet and everything like that but it is so fascinating that it, you're creating a, a real community and a real value of people contributing to the project and receiving a sort of blockchain based cryptocurrency reward and then from there obviously then once you can trade that you can trade that to bch or you can trade that to other cryptos and kind of everything can flow from there you can just start with nothing essentially just you your your kind of ability to do labor and contribute to a community and then become part of the community in that way completely independent from uh, fiat currency so yeah i just want uh, the listeners to really you know think about that idea because that is sort of the most pure form of of cryptocurrency uh, as an as an ideal that hopefully we're moving towards at least in the BCH uh, space, but which a, a large part of the rest of cryptocurrency has forgotten about or is not really uh, involved in. So, you know, that's it's just so fascinating to hear about the, those systems working uh, in, in practice. So do you have uh, more of a plan then for, like you said, scaling it up is going to be an issue once it sort of exceeds your individual ability to track everything of, of what's going on. Do you have a plan for how you're going to manage that? Um, kind of two different ways. Uh, one of them is developing our own um, cryptocurrency and then um, app, I guess, client. Um, and the, the second way that it can scale without necessitating that is basically through decentralization. So the idea being that um, you can have like at different properties, there can be kind of a, a validator of the work, the proof of work that's being done at each property. And then that can basically be consolidated onto one ledger. Um, and if it's done weekly, that's, uh, that's kind of uh, feasible and realistic. Um, so, so either one of those, but basically the, 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 the three different um, ways of scaling of different properties that have been thought of so far, and it's not like set in stone, but um, being basically uh, residences, which um, the, I've called them um, allodial roots, and then um, enterprises and guilds guilds or enterprises so places of production but also education where people can master a, a skill um, and then the third one being community centers so most likely the 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 residents and the guild would be related to a community center which would be the validator of the work 
but then each one would be could be sponsored with basically a block of appreciation tokens that basically get held in reserve and then when people do labor at that residence or at that enterprise guild then that block of tokens are used um, to reward the people with the proof of work and then if that if that uh, uh, block of tokens runs out then they can basically um, apply for more tokens by showing that this property is benefiting the cooperative in this way and that's why we should continue this this uh, this relationship essentially um, and then one of one of the big benefits of the the dual currency and credit system is like you said, like if people come and volunteer, they're not just volunteering, but they also receive appreciation tokens for all of the labor that they're providing. And then they can choose whether they want to hold those or exchange them for produce, or if they want to save up and then invest them into a stake in the cooperative. And in that way, it's, it's a really good like free market solution where people choose of themselves like whether or not they want to be kind of aligned with this project in the long term or just the short term or maybe they just don't know and they don't even want to take anything back out but they just want to leave their appreciation tokens as like their their proof of work kind of so it's um it's it's very effective insofar as uh organization and also validating people I, like in the sort of credit or security like trust factor because there have been people who have come who uh, I don't know you always get people who are who maybe seem trustworthy on the on the on the surface but then something happens or maybe they're unstable or they're putting on a front or something and then so over time it uh, it it helps to ensure integrity of the of the the protocol or the project or the the nation state so that um, if there's bad actors essentially they it's built into the protocol that that can be dealt with um and even with it like even the internet could crash and the protocol can continue and only the people who have um taken their tokens off of the allodium ledger and onto like waves or bitcoin cash once we figure out those tokens those ones like once you take it onto your wallet it's your responsibility but otherwise it's basically the responsibility of or my responsibility as the facilitator of the blockchain to and the the protocol um that those will that those will be safe regardless and you might not be able to like if the internet went down you might not be able to access them without coming here but if you came here and you had a reserve of tokens you would know that you have a place to stay you can buy food you can buy like medicine and stuff so it's a way of um uh, facilitating organization as well as the free market and uh yeah kind of also uh in in uh, with the mentality that the the current systems are failing and so we have to kind of like create from the from the ground up new new solutions to that and starting from scratch off grid there's no uh there's no association with the legacy system like there is no buying land or buying permits or getting permission from anyone in order to um in order to create so that that makes sure that it's complete the that system has no kind of claim of authority over what we're doing here yeah such a fascinating uh new sort of horizons in in human cooperation and uh in you know yeah this combo of living off the grid plus uh blockchain you know and people buying into a, a community obviously you, you could do that uh without those 
similar ideas and um you know and those the kind of things have been done in 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 other communities but this angle of adding a, a blockchain element i find you know really really interesting and yeah obviously it's going forward it's going to be interesting to see as it uh scales up especially if it yeah turns into an slp token and suddenly people can trade it all around the world you know uh with you offering stuff that you can buy with it uh directly in that way I, yeah i think it's it's gonna be i'm gonna be so excited to see i definitely want to try and uh try and uh get some get some products off you uh as well too so we'll um yeah we'll talk about that afterwards all right so next up i've got uh some thoughts that i had uh over the holidays because obviously i had a couple of weeks off the podcast like i said and i was sort of thinking okay we wrapped up what happened in 2021 what, what are we going to do in 2022 what is what is crypto need what is uh bitcoin cash community need and uh with a couple of weeks without doing the podcast and just more time to reflect on it these were the sort of thoughts i had so i figured that look it's 2022 and i put a lot of stock in the year changing because obviously it's kind of arbitrary you know the number of the day the number on a calendar but the thing is i think there's a psychological impact of everyone in the world kind of resetting themselves and being more open to a new idea and thinking okay what whatever was happening in the past that's that's kind of a bit that chapter is kind of kind of closed so in that respect you know it's been five years now from 2017 to 2022 in august it'll be that bctc and bch split and obviously we've talked about it a lot uh, today, but I think that that's just in the past now. The BCH community is on the page with itself. It doesn't really matter. In fact, they're completely going off in their own uh, direction and that's fine. So um, I think more and more of the world as well will sort of like Vitalik or like other people like that. If BCH starts doing really well, they'll really be thinking, wow, you know, this has been this has been in the game a long time. Maybe, maybe it's time I, I actually thought about this uh, seriously. I also thought that the smart BCH uh, burning coins, so it's now burned 165 or, or a little bit more uh, coins on, on people using smart BCH. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought, wait, this is actually uh, going to be huge because it supports that floor that we were talking about before that, um, you know, if you have people using it in real commerce, then that means the ratio of speculation is quite low. And at the same time, this burning is like, it's like having an additional uh, person who is buying up coins effectively by burning them based on real utility, based on people actually using the apps and getting involved in the community and being engaged. And so the more I thought about that, the more I thought, wow, you know, that, that really could help BCH to detach from the rest of the speculative market. And if a good, you know, surge of usage happens, if it starts, as it keeps burning coins, eventually it's going to burn through all the supply that is just kind of floating around in random speculators' hands. And then it'll just, you know, the price just will have to start going up basically because the people who are already in the BCH economy are not selling it out for fiat. So where are people going to get those BCHs for their smart BCH? They're going to have to uh, acquire them, you know, with a into a rising price, basically. And I finally, I also just sort of thought, look, I think BCH just needs one or two 
kind of killer apps you know like we've got smart bch that's awesome in 2000 you know so it could be something that launches on that maybe um but in 2021 i feel like noise.cash and read.cash were just like all stars in terms of getting loads of new people onto the network to try it out to experience it it's a new use case it's a kind of platform that a lot of other cryptos don't have and i think if you just add one or two more of those in 2022 uh that will be you know a massive boost to the community i don't know what kind of apps they would be or who's going to develop them or whatever we're going to see probably in two weeks whether kim.com delivers with his platform k.im that could be it it could be something on ethereum that gets put or on you know an evm chain that gets ported over onto smart bch but i just only you know i think it only would take one or two apps to add a bit more oomph into the ecosystem or to onboard a few new people into the into the concept and i think we'll be kind of kind of flying so those those were my reflections so any any thoughts on any of that um so for 2022 i'm uh i'm excited about it finding a bottom i think that'll come in this year and um so i'm looking for that for a buying opportunity um, I think I've seen some, uh, some, uh, maybe I've just been connected with them recently. Um, Roger Veer put out a thing, um, about Mark Falzon and, and Ryan Giffen or Griffin Giffen. Yeah. Giffen. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're, um, so I've been following them more and like, they're both, uh, they're both doing things that are exciting. And I think the 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 main thing that we need is really not even an app but it but is more social reach kind of um and because it's like from my perspective it's already there it's already working like we don't even need an app like it's already it's already the functional money so it's like whenever i talk to someone like face to face with another person um it's very easy to to convince them how much value this has and how great it is already like without anything else but the difficult thing it's like the the algorithms and the social tech giants and all this it's like they're releasing and the and the whole financial system seems to be working against us so um so i'm excited to follow for a bottom to buy more to set up the the SLP tokens for Elodium or the Smart BCH, whatever makes more sense, and to keep following these other creators who just seem to be putting out better and better content. And um and I think it it um at there at some point there will be a really sharp inflection point, but up until then it's just gonna um it's gonna be a uh a slow and steady kind of hall to kind of just reach out to people and to show them what what is already working but that being said i hope that uh that kim.com does put out a great app um the one thing i heard him talking about was carbon credits which i i'm not excited about that at all but i was really excited about his whole mega upload um project and i use that a lot and that provided a great value to the whole internet community so i'm sure he has it in him to provide uh, to provide great value as again but um, but I don't see it as like we need something new. Like I think the the smart BCH is really exciting and is that something new? I guess I I would be excited about smart BCH creating more bridges from the BCH to smart BCH so that it's less uh, less centralized. Um, but I think um, those are those are all sort of the things that I'm excited about. Whereas when the price is going up, maybe I'm thinking more about well how am I going to spend my value and invest in this off grid foundation. 
when the price is going down, it's like, well, when am I going to time my move to turn the store value back into Bitcoin cash and, 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 uh, and support it at its like low, low point, basically. Yeah, it makes sense. I've got, uh, once I thought about these uh, points I had, I thought, okay, so what is the more concrete steps, you know, for, for implementing some of that stuff? Uh, and I thought, look, really, it's just about people, people want to be part of fun, high energy kind of um, communities, you know, so on the next slide, uh, I've got, you know, people, people either need a reason to get involved, which is either economic, right? They like they need to somebody that they can trade with, like you're talking about a, a social network, or they need uh, it needs to be fun, you know, it needs to be exciting and, and engaging. And obviously those two things can combine. And hopefully, you know, if BCH can be fun and useful, then, you know, that's when it will just really start to go viral in a sort of decentralized uh, way among, among, you know, individuals that, that need to trade and, and are bought into the idea of cryptocurrency. Right. So I think, yeah, uh, like you're saying, I was glad to hear you say about the different content creators, shout out to, uh mark fells on and and ryan given both yeah content creators that i follow a lot mark had some more content today actually about what was going on in el salvador and his uh reflections about that it, and just following that story is yeah it's really just anybody who follows his content knows it's going to be all about actual money and stuff because that's what he's so focused on are people actually using this as money in El Salvador? Are they having problems? What other systems could they have? All those, all those kind of things. So yeah, I agree with you. We just need to be yeah positive. And I also thought that uh, you know the whole digital gold and hodling and all that—that's actually so antisocial. You know, the whole point of a currency is actually just to facilitate people uh doing trade with each other you know ultimately money is not worth anything unless you can buy something from somebody else who's, who's produced something or has something that you that you want right so in that way the peer-to-peer -peer cash it actually is a, a much more sociable thing uh and and i think we could uh do better to sort of emphasize and uh and focus on that to make bch the the, the friendly fun community to be a part of you know come trade with cryptocurrency uh like trade like a person to person not uh trading on you know uh coinbase or whatever um so yeah that's just some some thoughts that i had to the to the community that i you know i, I don't know who's gonna who's gonna take away from that but hopefully somebody does yeah and a lot of the a lot of the the greatest use case for it is going to be in places where their currency is basically devaluing faster than than the than the cryptocurrency. So when it's in a bear market and and everything else is inflating, it's like it's a it's a comparison where where is my where is my value going to be upheld the best? And precious metals are they'll they'll store your value, but they're not a good currency because when you buy them and when you sell them, that you lose money on that uh, on that basically transaction because you have to buy above spot and then maybe you can sell at spot. Um, so I think the the like what noise.cash is doing is is really great for reaching those communities where the there's a lot less income and that frictionless money transfer has the most value and then the last thing that just kind of came up that i thought of as far as that that inflection point um for people more in like the u.s dollar kind of system is that when the if you think about like the like say say that like the 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 bottom for bitcoin cash just hypothetically is like 200 or something like that 
but there's no there's no bottom for the U.S. dollar. It's, it'll just complete in, in inflating away to like zero value, and it's accelerating at the same time. So it's like a ratio of if the dollar is losing value faster than the it, it creates this inflection point where at some point like when uh, when it's clear that that Bitcoin is Bitcoin Cash is close enough or the real Bitcoin is close enough to its bottom then then it just makes sense to pile all your dollars into it because there's less risk it's a it's the most um, liquid currency like you can buy the precious metals with it or if you really want bitcoin core you could buy it with that also um but um at, at like it's more volatile at this point than the dollar but the the outcome for the dollar is is just guaranteed just worse and worse inflation and there's nothing they can do to uh to change that basically. So I think that's kind of the, I, mean, I think we'll probably see that inflection point maybe this year, definitely within the next two years, but um, I think we'll really start to, uh, I think we'll, I think we'll see that this year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's uh yeah, I, 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 it makes sense. Like, uh, you know, there's been already, you know, inflation is more and more in everyone's mind and we're certainly, you know, coming into a world where, interest in cryptocurrency is skyrocketing like this this uh channel has been you know growing pretty well i'm not doing any you know grand moves to market it or anything like that i just put it you know put it out there and uh you know but people are finding it um and yeah the interest is is there right so yeah i mean within the next 12 months that's that's interesting maybe within the next 24 i i would sort of yeah give it more of a three to five year time frame um but yeah well uh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see like i kind of hope you are right if it is that that quick that would be uh that that would be even better but that's a take i haven't heard uh yet that you know potentially in the next 12 months inflation will get to a certain point that uh you know yeah like you said it's just a loop where if your usds are going down and your cryptos are going up or staying value like it just becomes obvious and yeah, once uh, a critical mass of people start making that transition and then not needing to sell back, uh, the outcome is just kind of game over. All right, yeah. so go well, on. I was just going to say if it's short term versus long term, if the long term of the dollar is guaranteed to go to nothing and the long term of Bitcoin Cash based on its utility, is it's going to, it's still, it's, it's, it's uh, maintained that utility for over five years and it's likely to, to continue maintaining that utility. So there's no reason to, to see that value decreasing um, the utility value of it, even if the price goes down. So at some point, yeah, that, that short-term perspective gets pinched and then, and then it makes sense to, to put your money where the, the long-term value is going to be. Yeah, exactly. You've got to really think in the long-term, like I said, we're going to have maybe a big uh, long grinding bear market uh or you know definitely at least for a couple more months um probably uh but yeah so that's the community comment of the week this week comes from uh coin market cap on twitter you know they're the biggest uh price aggregator that people are always looking at and stuff and they were tweeting out looking back at the bull run what was the craziest part for you so far and i wanted to make this the slide just because this idea of looking back at the bull run, you know, even though I have been saying for a couple months, okay, I think guys, we had our moment of euphoria and kind of, kind of that's, that's it. I think that was a fairly unpopular kind of sentiment, but I'm now starting to see a bit more of people either are starting to kind of 
double down where they're like, okay, we didn't really kick off, but there's still going to be a, a massive, you know, uh, bull run, but it's going to be even bigger because we didn't see it already. You know, kind of this idea that there's like this building up uh, momentum or something. But then on the other hand, you're also seeing some people sort of start to be like, all right, we, we did have a bit of a bull run, you know, but the, the vibe has kind of died out, you know, since it's so hype uh, based once enough people are kind of like, yeah, all right, we had the bull run. Then, then that's kind of the end of it uh, really absent some other catalyst. So yeah, I don't know. I guess it sort of ties into what, what you were just um, talking about, but are you personally a big subscriber to the whole, you know, four year cycle theory and that we're going to have another big one, you know, this, this year, since last year, it kind of didn't really uh, take off or are we going to wait another four years? Like uh, how, how do you see some of that? Uh, I definitely think the, the overall pattern will continue where it's like these sharp spikes and then a long bear market and that, um, I think that will continue, but um, it doesn't necessarily have to be in Bitcoin Core. It's just that it, it's the the speculation based on the utility. So I mean that that same spike could happen in a different cryptocurrency um, if uh, if it has that uh, if it has the market kind of awareness and the backing of the financial institutions. So. Um, I think that those cycles will continue, but as far as if it's going to be like a year or four years, I think that it's all in the hands of these, the central banks and the, and the giant financial institutions and these moves that are out of our, out of our league kind of. Um, but in relation to the, to the quote, I would say the craziest part for me is seeing these NFT values that just blow my mind of just like a, a, a picture of a thing going for like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. It's just, that's by far the craziest part to me. It's so, so, so bubble craziness. I, it, it, I think surpasses any other kind of bubble. Like even tulip bubbles, like there's a, there's a, there's a bulb there that will grow a new flower and it'll make more bulbs. And you're investing in the future of tulip bulbs, like your little icon of a picture of a thing. It's like, uh, it's all, it's all crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the whole NFT thing. You know, I mean, I was, talked about before on this show it, it is just kind of humanity with crypto they still haven't got the idea of digital scarcity so it's kind of being reinvented over and over and over again instead of everybody figuring out okay we had bitcoin it's a currency digital scarcity got it instead it kind of turned into the ico hype train for a while and then obviously loads of different like scam coins and whatever and then then it's turned into nfts which is like oh it's a digitally scarce yeah jpeg or something and people are just way overvaluing there's some kind of real cool element to the whole uh, basically look i'm flexing with how much money i've got i get that it's kind of like having designer shoes or something like that it's, it's not really about the utility more about just showing off i've got so much money that i can spend it on this super expensive thing but obviously that has a massive cap and uh like once once that's that's played out uh then probably one or two projects will stay cool and the rest of them would just be completely worthless because nobody will care if you've got there's there's already so many there's already hundreds of these nft image series like there was crypto punks and there was bored apes and then now there's like 500 of them and i 
you know, all of them are interchangeable to me. I don't care. I don't value any of them really. So, uh, you know, once, uh, yeah, certainly more people are going to get over that hill and not care about it anymore in the future, I think, as well too. Just happened to be the thing that caught people's collective consciousness 2021. Uh, okay. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody's got a lot of money <laughs> to spend on this crap. I wish I did. Uh, and then I could not spend it on an NFT. I could just be rich, but... Uh, you know, good for them if they timed it right. Uh, meme of the week this week comes from Leho, who I've had on the on the show before. He's the Ergon uh, developer. It comes from the Lord of the Rings. There's this famous, you know, scene where the hobbits are asking about having second breakfast. Uh, so it's the the hobbits. They say, "What about market crash?" Where you know, usually they would say, "What about breakfast?" And then Aragorn says, you've already had it. <laughs> and then the Merry and Pippin say, we've had one, yes. But what about second market crash? Which is like in the original where they say, what about second breakfast? It's just the most ridiculous thing that hobbits have two breakfasts. And it's like, can't you already have any already had breakfast? Like, let's move on with things. So when I just saw this, I just thought this perfectly summed it up, really, which is that, you know, there was a bit of market crash at the end of the year and everybody was like, it's a market. And then at 2022, it started, the bulls are nowhere to be found in terms of pumping up the price and it's plummeting again, everybody getting a bit more depressed. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, more of the same, I think. I don't know, made me laugh. Made me laugh. There you go. That's a good meme. Makes you laugh. Then, then that's that. That's a win. All right. So, last slide. Then, message to the community. So, you know, you've watched this show plenty. I'm sure you, you know how it goes. Uh, what, what do you think the Bitcoin Cash community needs to hear? I think they just need to hear that um, we already have um, a working product. It's already fulfilling the original intent intent of Bitcoin and uh, to just use it for its for its use case and understand if you're if you're thinking of it as a as an investment or a speculation that that it's speculating on on its future but ultimately its use case now is already working um so just use it for as as uh, as, as it's meant to be used and um and there's so many different ways that are empowering to use it, like purse.io being a great one that um, can save you money versus not using it. Or there's lots of different services that will like buying seeds online. They'll, uh, they'll give you free seeds or discounts for buying them or buying precious metals with cryptocurrency versus something else. You'll, you'll pay a, a cheaper price using the cryptocurrency. So um, just, uh, just use it and, and then demonstrate to other people that you're in a relation with how it benefits you to use it. Yeah, it's as simple as that. It's it's currency, it's cash. Just earn a little bit and then spend a little bit. And then there you go. That's it. That's that's the whole thing. If everyone right. gets that idea, it'll kick off. What one other thing I would add is um um, the the value of having like a balanced kind of portfolio is that when it does bottom out, that's when you can that's when you can become unbalanced and uh, and and support the support the community and also uh, benefit from it once it rebounds. True, true. Got to got to got to pick your pick your moment. 
Or just do dollar cost averaging <laughs> because I suck at predicting the bottom. I've learned that from uh, experience. I also suck at predicting the tops, unfortunately. So yeah, just yeah, earn a little bit, spend a little bit. Simple as that. Okay, cool. Well, that will pretty much uh, do it for the show then. Um, as always, you can check out uh, the slides, the resources, and the start guide that I have uh written uh explaining everything about cryptocurrency at bitcoincashpodcast.com i want to thank all the donators and just all the listeners to the show it's been uh absolutely uh great you know uh i'm very happy to be back for a new year of destroying the banks 2022 uh i'm loving it and my shout out for this week goes to jonathan and ian who i met at christmas uh, and I was talking to about cryptocurrency. If they're listening to the show, they'll uh, they'll know all about that. We had a great chat. They were both, uh, I guess, especially Jonathan was a little bit like skeptical of the idea, but they were still open-minded to it. And so I sent them some Bitcoin cash and they saw, okay, this is how it works. And, uh, you know, kind of c- considering, you know, what would be the ramifications of having a new, um, you know, uh, currency like this and, uh, I guess as particularly, you know, they had a little more faith in the existing system than, than I, than I do. Um, but it was really great to just, uh, talk to them, you know, and, and discuss. And that's, that's exactly what we've been talking about. Just, it should be a social thing that you just meet people, you just talk to them about it and, uh, you know, ultimately spread that education. If people like it, they can be involved. And if they don't, they, they don't have to, right. Uh, it's kind of as simple as that. So um also shout out to nex underscore eu in the in the twitch chat as well who says thanks for the interview yeah thank you for watching uh so that's my shout out Nan, give give your final uh shout outs where can people find you and uh yeah where should they follow up if they're more interested in in anything you've uh, talked about today um i guess i'd primarily give a shout out to roger bear i think he's like the the Jesus of the community, even if he doesn't like the title. He hates that, yeah. <laughs> Keep that, Roger. <laughs> and um, the, all right, so you, the website, Elodium.is, you can find more information there. And then um, I put out some YouTube videos at uh, the channel is called OG Foundation, but um, we are, just recently got a strike. And so we might end up being on other platforms. And um and the one thing that also came up when you were saying that is the whole, the, the thing that um, uh, Vitalik said about that we're, that we're the resistance. And I don't think we are the resistance. I think we already have the solution. And I think there's resistance to that solution. So I think just keep, keep using it and the resistance will, resistance will fade as, as it's just effective. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it'll still, still be effective. Who knows? <laughs> Yep, there's no arguing with uh, people who've just disconnected from the system. I think that's the main point. Uh, yeah, exit instead. Well, voice and exit, basically. Jet, any final thoughts? Or we'll uh, wrap it up there. I think that's good for for this week. All right. Well, that will uh, do it, everybody. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Coming for you, Banks. I wasn't bored last night. I know the money ain't bright. But I was coding up the future last night. You were busy hating with the stupid friends online. That the Federal Reserve.
check straight out of your purse Today they got a dollar, tomorrow got nine You save a thousand dollars and your value in decline You live on Federal Reserve to go and burr, but it seems that you ain't heard Nervous, cash in the bank now Where you think it goes? Stupid little fuck You trust the government shows While the rich banks rob ya Robbing is blind, man Future dollars can buy nothing for ya You've heard of inflation, right? Banks fucked you royal Had fun at the bank recently BCH, 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 BCH.